Section 2 of the Central Period of the Middle Age, 918 to 1273, by Beatrice A. Lees. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 1 The Saxon Emperors, 918 to 1002, Part 1. When in 911 the young king of Germany, Louis the Child, died, the German nobles chose one of themselves, Conrad of Franconia, to rule over them. Seven years later, in the winter of 918, as Conrad lay on his deathbed, he owned that the task he had undertaken had been beyond his strength. Calling his brother to his side, he bade him, says a contemporary chronicler, carry the insignia of royalty, the holy lance, the mantle and golden bracelets, the sword and crown, to his great rival, Henry, Duke of the Saxons. Fortune murmured the dying man has passed over to Henry. He will be king and emperor of many peoples. Thus it was that the noble kingdom of the Franks was transferred to the glorious nation of the Saxons, and thus the Saxon duke became the German king. Later legend gave him the name of Henry the Fowler, 918 to 936, and told how the offer of the crown was made to him as he snared birds with his children. Stories were current, too, of his prowess in battle, which shows that his memory lingered long among his Saxon people. Germany was indeed in evil case, and Henry was just the man she needed, strong, young, and brave, fitted to lead in war and to rule in peace. Slavs and Magyars were threatening the eastern frontier. Vikings were hovering about the northwestern coast, while within the East Frankish kingdom had split up into four great duchies or nations, Saxony, Franconia, Schwabia, and Bavaria, governed by dukes who were kings in all but name. Lotharingia, or Lorraine, which afterwards became a fifth German duchy, formed at this time part of the dominions of the West Frankish king. A twofold problem lay before Henry, the defense of the kingdom against external enemies and the suppression of the overgrown power of the nobles at home. His reign falls into three divisions, five years of struggle with the dukes, a Magyar invasion in 924, followed by a nine-years truce, during which the consolidation of Germany went on apace. Then, from 933 to 936, three years of fighting with Magyars and Danes, ending in glorious victory. In the spring of 919, Henry was elected by the nobles King of the Franks and Saxons. The Dukes of Schwabia and Bavaria submitted within the next three years, and by 921, Henry was acknowledged as king of the East Franks. But except in Saxony and Thuringia, his sovereignty was little more than nominal. The dukes still ruled their provinces like independent princes. They had their own courts of justice, their own armies, and their special privileges, and Arnulf of Bavaria had even won the royal right of appointing bishops. When, in 924, the Magyars invaded and harried Saxony, only the Franks and Saxons rallied round the king. But by releasing one of the barbarian leaders who had fallen into their hands and paying a heavy tribute, 
Henry bought a nine years' truce for his duchy. Like King Alfred of England in similar circumstances, he used the time of peace to prepare for war. The country lay open to invasion, for the Germans were an agricultural people who hated cities and lived in unprotected villages and farms. Henry then set himself to restore old defences and to build new towns and fortresses, especially on the eastern frontier, to serve as places of refuge in case of need. He bade the monks surround their monasteries with walls. He attracted the peasants to the towns by ordaining that all meetings and feasts should be held there. And the Saxon chronicler describes how every ninth man of the farmers who owed military service had to live in a town, to build houses for his eight comrades, and to receive and store up the third part of the harvest, while his fellows tilled his land in his absence. The army also was made more efficient. The Magyars were lightly armed, swiftly moving horsemen, against whom the undisciplined Saxon foot-soldiers could do little, while the cavalry levies of great men and their followers were more used to fighting amongst themselves than to uniting against a common foe. Henry now greatly strengthened his cavalry force and trained his troops to act in combination. The events of the next few years proved his wisdom. Lotharingia submitted in 925. In 928 he defeated the Vents and took their stronghold, Brennebar, Brandenburg, while in 929 he subdued Bohemia and crushed a formidable Vendish revolt in the Battle of Lenzen. By the year 932, the land between Elba and Oda owned the East Frankish king as lord. When in 933 the truce ended and the Magyars once more invaded Saxony, Henry, with his trained horsemen, won a decisive victory over them. The following year saw the defeat of the Danish king and the establishment of the march or frontier province of Schleswig. In 936 Henry died after commending his eldest son Otto to the nobles as his successor. A simple slab of marble marks his grave at Quindlinburg. His best epitaph is found in the words of the Saxon historians who tell how he was the father of his country, Pater Patriae, and gave his kingdom welcome peace. Henry I was the greatest of the kings of Europe, second to none in strength of mind and body, but he left a son who was greater than he. With the accession of Otto I, 936-973, to 973, the horizon widens. It was his hand which, for good or ill, united Germany and Italy. His long reign culminates in 962 in his coronation as emperor at Rome. From 936 to 951 he was engaged in carrying on the task bequeathed to him by his father, guarding Germany from barbarian attacks, strengthening the eastern frontier, and building up a strong monarchy at home. This was his German period. It was followed by an Italian period, lasting from 951 to 973, when this work was interrupted by the development of the Italian question, which distracted his energies and occupied his thoughts for the remainder of his life. Otto I's splendid coronation at Aachen, Aix-la-Chapelle, the old Carolingian capital, was significant of his future policy. 
he was chosen king by the nobles with the assent of the people but he was crowned and anointed with holy oil and took his seat on the throne of charles the great and at the coronation feast the dukes of Franconia, Schwabia, Bavaria, and Lorraine served him as steward, butler, marshal, and chamberlain. He showed from the first that he meant to be a king indeed, and to keep the dukes in strict subordination. The problem which confronted Otto I was the same which all the kings of medieval Europe was called upon to solve, the problem of establishing a strong government without giving undue power to the great nobles otto i's policy toward the dukes was threefold direct suppression indirect alliance by granting the duchies to his own nominees or to members of the royal house substitution of other powers in particular of the power of the church for the nobles in the work of governing the country the first to be dealt with was eberhard duke of franconia the brother of king conrad humbled in his pride by being punished for a breach of the king's peace he joined with otto's illegitimate brother tankmar in open revolt tankmar fell in the struggle but the following year saw eberhard again in rebellion supported by the duke of lorraine and by otto's discontented younger brother henry otto took the field the dukes of franconia and lorraine were slain and henry submitted only to plot against his brother's life once more to be once more forgiven and finally to be endowed with the duchy of bavaria on the death of the duke his father-in-law and to become the loyal subject of the king who had known how to be merciful to a fallen foe franconia otto kept under his immediate rule the schwabian duchy with the hand of its heiress he bestowed on his eldest son liudolf and lorraine he entrusted to conrad the red who afterwards married his daughter Liutgarda. Otto further checked the dukes by the appointment of Pfalzgrafen or Counts Palatine, royal officials who represented the king's interests in the duchies, to guard against the Danes, Slavs, and Magyars, who began to stir restlessly on the death of Henry I. He also established Markgrafen or Marquises, counts of the marches or borderlands, of whom the most famous were Hermann the Billung, whose march stretched from the Bay of Kiel to the mouth of the Oda, and Jero, who ruled to the south of him. Later on, the eastern frontier was defended by a line of marches, the Billung March, the North March, and the marches of Lausitz, Merseburg, Zeitz, and Meissen, extending from Elba to Oder. South of these lay the Slav Duchy of Bohemia, which was finally subdued in 950, and the duchy of bavaria whence otto's brother henry watched the bohemians and drove back the incursions of the magyars or hungarians now settled on the danube in the land which was called after them hungary another check on the power of the nobles and a help in the restoration of internal unity was found in the influence of the church a wave of religious enthusiasm was at this time sweeping over germany missions to the heathen slavs were started bishoprics were founded monasteries and nunneries were endowed and reformed the king's mother matilda his english wife edith daughter of edward the elder and above all his youngest brother bruno were in the forefront of this movement bruno was a man of saintly life an ardent student 
who never travelled without his books of whom it was said that in his times of leisure no man was busier in the midst of business he always found leisure himself a priest and like st dunstan of england both churchman and statesman he revived and developed the system of education which charles the great had established in germany and reorganized the king's chancery or chapel which became a kind of training school for royal ministers and officials by the middle of the tenth century otto i was unquestionably the greatest prince of western europe the french king sought his help the english king was his ally the eastern emperor and the moors of spain sent him gifts and embassies his court was a refuge for the weak and oppressed and when trouble arose in italy it seemed but fitting that he should intervene while germany had been developing into a united kingdom the fair italian provinces across the mountain barrier of the alps were torn by civil strife and wasted by saracen and magyar raids the italians wrote one of their own chroniclers always wish to have two masters that they may play one off against the other of the three powers which might have given a strong government to italy the papacy the eastern empire and the great nobles the popes were the tools of the roman aristocracy the greek subjects of the eastern emperor in the south could barely hold their own against the saracens who had conquered sicily and constantly threatened the peninsula the nobles engaged in struggling amongst themselves for the royal crown of lombardy and the imperial dignity frustrated each attempt at national union by their jealous rivalries early in the tenth century beringar marquis of friuli became emperor and seemed about to establish a national kingship but he was murdered in nine twenty four and the imperial title fell into abeyance rudolf the second king of upper burgundy then ruled as king of italy till nine twenty six when he was succeeded by hugh king of lower burgundy or provence hugh bought off rudolf's opposition by ceding the whole of burgundy to him he married his son to rudolf's daughter and he obtained a foothold in rome by himself marrying marozia widow of the marquis of tuscany by whose influence the papal elections had long been controlled and whose son now sat in the chair of st peter as pope john the eleventh but marozia's elder son alberich quarrelled with his stepfather imprisoned his mother and brother and made himself master of rome as prince and senator of all the romans while in the north hugh's tyranny raised up a rival beringar marquis of ivria a grandson of the emperor beringar when hugh died in nine forty seven and was followed to the grave three years later by his young son lothar beringar and his son adalbert were crowned joint kings of italy at pavia the old lombard capital lothar left a girl widow adelaide daughter of rudolf of burgundy jealous of her claims and influence berengar imprisoned and ill-treated her her youth her beauty and the lure of the italian crown were not slow to win her champions henry duke of bavaria and liudolf duke of schwabia the son of otto i were eager to come to her rescue liudolf was the first in the field but a stronger hand was destined to carry off the prize in the autumn of nine fifty one otto i crossed the alps and entered pavia berengar fled before him adelaide 
who had escaped from captivity after many adventures joined her deliverer in the capital and there otto whose english wife had died some years earlier married her and received the homage of the italian nobles he then sent ambassadors to the pope to negotiate for the restoration of the empire but alberich was still all-powerful in rome and otto was forbidden to enter the city in the following year a peace was made by which berengar received back the italian kingdom with otto as overlord while the march of verona and aquileia was granted to henry of bavaria during the next few years otto was fully occupied with the affairs of germany his son liudolf of schwabia and his son-in-law conrad of lorraine dissatisfied with the results of the italian campaign rebelled against him in concert with the turbulent frederick archbishop of mainz and though henry of bavaria remained loyal his subjects revolted under the son of their former duke while the hungarians took advantage of the confusion to invade the german dominions otto supported by his brothers and by hermann billung rose to the occasion his foes were divided among themselves and by nine fifty four they had all submitted conrad and liudolf were condemned to lose their duchies and otto fell back on the policy of using churchmen as a counterpoise to the power of the great nobles bruno now archbishop of cologne was practically supreme in lorraine and otto's illegitimate son william became archbishop of mainz on the death of the traitor frederick in the church otto found well-educated and pious men trained administrators whose local attachments were less strong than those of the laity and who since they were unmarried were free from the temptation to found a family and make their offices hereditary in nine fifty five the hungarians encouraged by the discord in germany made a formidable incursion into bavaria otto gathered his forces and on august tenth in the famous battle of Leschfeld, he crushed the heathen invaders once and for all not for two hundred years it was said had so great a victory been gained it was followed before the close of the year by the suppression of a rising among the vents of the north and triumphant and secure in his german kingdom otto could once more dream of italy and the empire alberich had died in nine fifty four bequeathing his temporal power in rome to his son octavian who in the following year was elected to the papal throne and took the name of john the twelfth young ambitious and worldly john the twelfth soon found his schemes for extending his papal authority in central italy thwarted by the growing tyranny of king berengar who in otto's absence ruled as an irresponsible despot in nine fifty six liuldolf of schwabia led an expedition against the italian king and took pavia but his premature death in nine fifty seven enabled berengar to regain his former position and so oppressive was his government that in nine sixty urgent appeals for help were sent to otto i by the pope and by the prelates and nobles of northern italy End of section two.